Tonight's program is brought to you by the China Hockey Group. The CHG is a family-oriented group of ice hockey leagues, training programs, and community initiatives geared at developing ice hockey in Hong Kong and southern China. Established in 2011, the CHG is comprised of various programs for players of all levels. From the exceptional Junior Tigers program, the HKBN Idol League, the Learn to Play and Learn to Skate programs, all the way up to their adult leagues, which include the SCIHL, for those looking for a fun recreational experience, and the CIHL, which is the only elite full contact adult hockey league. If you're looking for some hockey equipment, or if you even need your skates sharpened, stop by the CHG showroom in Central, an exclusive reseller of Warrior and Power equipment. For more information about their programs, check out their website at ChinaHockeyGroup.com. That's ChinaHockeyGroup.com. Hey, hockey fans. Welcome to Across the Pond Hockey Talks Volume 57. I have with me here tonight my only reoccurring guest on the show. He's been coming and going for the last four seasons, talking to us about classic hockey movies. We've gotten into hockey music, and sometimes he just likes to stop by and drop some history on us. And that's what we're in for in this episode. I have with me today the pride of PEI, Mr. Terry Whalen. How are you tonight, Terry? I'm great. Uh, Great, Chris. Great to be back. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, an interesting one tonight, eh? Well, we get to show your pretty face tonight, which is uh, which is good for everyone. So those I, I told you, I told you the first time we did this, lad, I, I a great face for radio. You certainly, you certainly did. I do remember <laughs> that well. And uh, yeah, so those of you who are just listening, uh, the podcast is now available on YouTube, uh, and this is the first episode with Terry. So Terry, a uh, bit of sad, sad news to start off tonight's podcast uh, with the passing. Yeah of the king uh the great Boreas Salming uh he was my yeah, dad's fa- my dad's favorite player uh, I guess right. he's he's a lot of guys favorite players he just uh, seems Without like one of those guys uh tell me a little bit about um about well you know what you know and what you remember about about Mr. Salming hey, again uh you know when I think Boreas Salming uh he was he was a package deal the uh the guy that you know is uh, of course was no one very few were as talented as Boreas Salming Mm-hmm. But uh, he came across with uh, Inge, Inge Hammerstrom, who uh, who lasted uh, four or five seasons with the Leafs. I think he had another. I think he lasted six years altogether. I think he had a year mm-hmm. in St. Louis after that. And I remember vividly the two of them coming over. And the thing, uh, you know, they, they didn't receive a welcome with open arms. No, they were pioneers, right? They were pioneers. And and again, it was Chicken Swede was the uh, was the. Uh, was the derogatory uh, phrase I think most commonly used. Yeah. And, you know, the toughness that that man, uh, both of them, but uh, Salming in particular showed, uh, you know, he came in 73. I, I, I think I read, uh, you know, his second game, you know, he, he was fighting with Dave Schultz. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is, this is the flyers. This is, mm-hmm. so that'll give you an idea of, of, you know, the, the era. And uh, yeah, he dropped in that from uh, coming over from Europe. And of course, a trailblazer. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sad, uh, sad yeah. time in in Leafs Nation right now. Uh, it was really touching to see that he was able to get you know that last ceremony uh, in with, with with his boys, and he had a big smile yeah. on his face and special right. moment, special moment. So, 
for right. tonight's episode, Terry, we're going to go back and look at some other special moments, maybe the most recent special moment in Leafs history. Uh, yeah. The 1967 Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, we, we're, I'm going to set the stage here for you, but before we do, uh, why don't you just start with a quick history about the Leafs before we get going? Sure, Chris. And and you cannot talk about the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs Hockey Club. I mean, it, it starts with one man, and that's Con Smythe. Mm-hmm. So prior to purchasing the club in 1927, uh, thus saving it from a move to Philadelphia, the team that began when the NHL began in 1917 was first called the Toronto Arenas. They won a Stanley Cup in 1918. Uh, then there were the Toronto St. Patrick's, who won a Stanley Cup in 1922. Smythe changed the name to Maple Leafs, the colors to blue and white, and in 1931 opened the iconic Maple Leaf Gardens at the corner of Carlton and Church Streets in Toronto. The team won eight Stanley Cups with Smythe as the owner. Uh, he would eventually cede control to his son, Stafford Smythe, in 1961. Now, Terry, Conn Smythe himself, a uh, pretty complicated man, seems like he left a, a very complicated legacy behind. He, that's, that, he did, that he did, Chris. And uh, he was a self-made man, mm-hmm. uh, earning his fortune in the sand and gravel business. Uh, during the First World War, he was awarded the Military Cross for Bravery at Ypres. Uh, during the Second World War, he would again volunteer for service, be wounded in France at the age of 45. He was a big contributor to veterans and children's charities and was integral to the success of the NHL, making the Maple Leafs the cornerstone franchise of English Canada. He helped oversee construction of the Hockey Hall of Fame, to which he was elected as a builder in 1958, and the league recognized his contributions to the game by naming the trophy given to the playoff MVP after him in 1965. However, he was a union buster who ran Leafs captain Jimmy Thompson out of town for helping Ted Lindsay's doomed attempt to organize NHL players in the 1950s. He was an anti-Semite, and we saw both of those qualities when we talked about the movie uh, Net Worth. That's right. Yeah, perhaps most egregious was his treatment of Herb Carney, a Toronto native who always wanted to play for the Maple Leafs. That dream was effectively destroyed when Smythe said of the three-time Quebec League MVP that he would give any person $10,000 if they could turn Herb Carnegie white. The NHL would be the last of the major North League sports uh, sports leagues to integrate when Willie O'Ree played for the Bruins in 1958. And uh, now, Chris, in the NHL's defense, they have tried to right this wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Earlier this month, the Hall of Fame welcomed the class of 2022. Uh, players Roberto Luongo, Daniel Alfredson, Daniel and Henrik Sedin, and Rika Salonen were yep. joined by one one new member in the builder category, and that was Herb Carnegie. Um, so uh, again, nice to see the NHL again continuing yep. to to try to you know uh, look at its past and and make it right. Uh, but we could still ask the question, Chris: that that could we rename that trophy? Well, Terry, it wouldn't surprise me if if a push came for that to happen, uh, knowing what we know about, like you said, about Conn Smythe. Um, and now, knowing, I mean, I don't know a lot about Herb Carnegie, but now that now that I do, um, I think it would be important to look into it. I mean, why not? The way things are changing now and, and doing the right thing seems to be on the rise. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I, you know, I, what, yeah. yeah. What I never understood was again naming it after an owner. It, it's like the uh, it's like the Norris Trophy is named after James Norris. Right. It it just seems sort of a no brainer that you know the Norris Trophy 
I'd say the Doug Harvey, but I understand the Bobby Orr, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I mean, I mean, Jean Beliveau just seems like like a, a natural. He was the first winner of the Conn Smythe, right? And and you know, it, it, it was just no one, you know, no one remembers Conn Smythe. You didn't grow up with a picture of him on your wall. Yeah, totally agree, Terry. I mean, and it could happen. I mean, as we as we try to right some of the wrongs of the past, right. uh, if we look back at some of these, uh, and and I mean. Thank you for for pointing this out to us. I mean, the amount of research and the amount of work that you put into these is incredible. Just so people know, these are these shows are <laughs> these shows are written and and they're well written. Yeah, this this isn't off the top of my head. That's no, sure. no, that's right. So Terry, back to Con Smythe. He owns the Leafs until '61, um, and his sale of the team would coincide with the very final Leafs dynasty. That's that's correct. And in 1961. Smythe sold his majority interest in the team to his son, Stafford Smythe. Unbeknownst to Khan, Stafford had two partners in the deal, John Bassett and Harold Ballard. The new blood would thrive early on, winning the team's first cup since 1951 in 1962, and another two cups back-to-back in 63-64 to complete a three-peat. In these teams, we see what will become the core of that final cup-winning team of 66-67. A total of 11 players from the 1967 team played on the three other Stanley Cup winning teams. A mix of savvy veterans, mostly from the Red Wings, and products of their terrific farm system, which included St. Michael's College and the Toronto Murrowies, they'd be added to the mix to win that final cup in 1967. Ten players from that team would go on to the Hall of Fame, and they remain one of the oldest teams to win the cup. All right, so that's about the players. So how about the coach, Terry? Who was behind the bench these at that time? Yeah, that was George Punch Imlach. And yeah, yeah, he came on board as coach GM in 1958. Great. Now, Imlach, yeah, Punch was, he was divisive. Uh, yeah. Older players tended to love him. And the younger guys, they hated his dictatorial, heavy emphasis on practice ways. But make no mistake, the Leafs don't have this period of success uh, without, uh, without Punch Imlach. Now, that being said, his inability to adapt to the times would help tear the 67 champs down, and he was fired in 1969, leaving to run the expansion Buffalo Sabres from 1970 to 75 before a disastrous return as GM under Harold Ballard in 1979 uh, that would, again, set the franchise back for years. Uh, Maybe, Chris, a loose equivalent uh, to Imlac as coach would be John Tortorella, yeah. who uh, is back in the NHL this year uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. So uh, a question to you, yeah. will the tough taskmaster coach, will that ever go out of style? It seems to have already gone out of style. Uh, the only guy <laughs> the only guy left is is Tort. Um, right. And he, he keeps getting chances because, you know, it, he's, he's one of those guys you either love him or you hate him. But he gets right. a lot out of his teams for a short period of time. So he's been able to turn around some franchises, you know, get got, get teams in the playoffs that weren't supposed to be there. Uh, he seems to get every ounce out of every player. Um, and the guys that aren't on, on the bench that night, there's a reason. Uh, he's not afraid to keep yep. guys out of the lineup. He really runs a tight ship. Uh, yep. He seems, you know... It seems like a, a match made in heaven to have him in Philadelphia right now. And they got off to a pretty quick start. 
You know, they're a team that's not very talented. Uh, They have a bunch of injuries and he's struggling. And he got kicked in the face by a horse a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Old Torts is having a rough time uh, with the Broad Street Bullies. But Uh, yeah, I I, I do think it's gone out of style. And but, you know, Torts seems to still make it work. I think I think you uh, you brought up a good point that, you know, they these guys, they they don't get the, the long leash. You don't see yeah. them for decades anymore. Uh, no. You know, uh, punch Jim Lack for 14, 15 years in Toronto. Jack Adams for a, for a generation yeah. in uh, in Detroit, right? Yeah. yeah. They, uh, you know, maybe there's still a, you know, maybe with the modern guys, you know, it's, uh, as you say, maybe more of a quick fix, but yeah. uh, it, it wears out its welcome a little faster these days. It certainly does. Yeah. All right. So enough about Philly and torts. Let's get back to <laughs> the Leafs here. Um, let's set the stage, Terry. How did the regular season go? Uh, the 66, 67 regular season. How did that play out? Yeah. And that was the 50th season of the right. National Hockey League. Yeah. It opened October 19, 1966. The Chicago Blackhawks dominated the 70 game regular season, finishing first for the first time in franchise history. Their 94 points were 17 ahead of second-place Montreal. That Hawks team was stacked. They scored a league record 264 goals. Uh, as uh, uh, To compare, Chris, last season, 21 teams had less goals than that in the NHL. Wow. In, in how many in games? 12 more, in 12 more games. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah, wow. in 70. Bo- Bobby Hall had 52. Uh, that was the third time he went over 50. Only two others, Maurice Rocket Richard and Bernie Boom Boom Jeffreyon, had over uh, had gone over fifty once. Stan Makita won the Art Ross, the Lady Bing, and the Hart trophies. He remains the only player ever to win those three awards in a single season, and he would do it again the next year. On the back end, the Hawks had Hall of Fame defenseman Pierre Pilot and the Vesna goalie uh, Vesna winning goalie tandem of Dennis Jordy and Glenn Hall. So after the Habs, the Leafs finished third, surviving a a team record 10-game losing streak in January, February, and the Rangers fourth behind the Norris Trophy-winning play of Harry Howell and all-star goalie Eddie Jockman. The Red Wings, far removed from their 50s dynasty, finished out of the playoffs, and the Bruins missed the playoffs for the eighth straight year. But hope sprang eternal. Bobby Orr won the Calder Trophy that year, and would win the next eight Norris. In the playoffs, Montreal beat New York four straight. They finished on April 13th, 1967, and awaited the winner of the Chicago-Toronto semifinal. Okay, so if if Chicago finished first, why did they play the third-place Toronto Maple Leafs in the semis? <laughs> because one played three yeah. and two played four. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Well, this and this was the format since forty two, forty three, when the original yeah. six started, and it continued after expansion. Okay. In nineteen seventy seventy one, the North Stars lost their last four regular season games, thus finishing fourth and making the third place Flyers play the first place Blackhawks, who swept them while the Stars would beat the second place Blues. So the league changed the format after the following season. Um, does it make any sense, though, Chris? To have I, I'm still like, I'm still confused. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, one, one it, it play, doesn't. I'm trying no. I'm I'm trying to think of another situation where we might see that. Um, no, it doesn't make sense. No, me. yes, and and it took some it took some pretty overt tanking at the end of the regular season to make 
you know, a, a long overdue change. Right. You yeah. Know, because so teams it, wanted I, to finish fourth so that they could play the second place team. Of course. Yeah, you know, course. yeah. And it, it, again, just one of those uh, historical anomalies, I guess. Yeah. Strange one. Glad they made that change. All right. Yeah, uh, so, so let's take a look at that, uh, that semifinal series versus Chicago. Yeah. So the series opened with uh, game one, April 6th at Chicago Stadium, a.k.a. the Madhouse on Madison. And it went according to script, with the high-powered Hawks cruising past the Leafs 5-2. Frank Mahovlich had the first Leafs goal. The Big M was 29 years old. The product of St. Michael's College won the Calder Trophy in 1958, was a nine-time All-Star, won six Cups, played for Team Canada in 1972. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1981 and would later serve in the Canadian Senate. Adding an assist on the second Leafs goal was Tim Horton. At 37, the career Leaf, another St. Mike's product, had been a steady presence on their blue line since 1952. The six-time All-Star, long known for being the strongest player in the NHL, was killed in a single vehicle accident while driving drunk at the age of 44 in 1974 while playing for the Buffalo Sabres. Elected to the Hall of Fame in 1977, he lives on as the namesake of the now worldwide donut chain the first of which he opened in Hamilton in 1964. Now, Chris, I certainly don't expect you to know every name. We'll be giving a little shout out to all the all the guys who got their name on the cup in this yeah. in this episode. But uh, there's a couple of big ones there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Tim Horton is a legend in especially in Canada. Um, and we we're reaping we're still drinking his coffee all around the world. Like you said. <laughs> I, I think I think a good point, Chris, is. Because it's it, it the name has become so ubiquitous yeah. and and you know synonymous with coffee, people tend to forget that what a giant, player. what yeah. a giant of the yeah. game. He he still the Leafs career team leader in plus minus, okay. still top five in games and uh, and in penalty minutes. Wow, and he didn't play yeah. that many. How many seasons did he play? Oh no, he was there for a while. He was he, there for he, a while. He got okay. a twenty, and yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And of course, Frank Mahovlich, um, like you said, maybe one of the toughest guys to ever play the game. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, with his uh, his time in Toronto, he again, uh, he, as we'll see, um, was one of these guys that just Imlac, uh, punch Imlac, just took a dislike to, um, you know, uh, Frank, Frank Mahovlich actually ahead of his time in one sense, he had a very public uh, for the time, uh, struggles with depression, okay. with with the stress and the pressure, and and punch Imlac, uh, you know, did did not treat it kindly. The Leaf fans ragged on him, and uh, I I think Mahavich, the the back end of his career when he was traded to Montreal, where he picked up another couple of cups, played mm -hmm. with his younger brother Peter. I think he enjoyed those years, right. uh, you know, much much more away from the uh, the crucible that it still is playing in Toronto. Right. And I know you mentioned Tim Horton was recognized as one of the toughest guys, but Frank Mahovlich was no slouch and he was a big man. Oh, of correct? course. Yeah, 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 he was a big man. Yeah. He was a big man. Big, big yeah. man. Yeah. Now, game two was April 9th. Okay. On the two nights between games, Chicago Stadium played host to an ice show. Mm -hmm. That, combined with some warm spring weather, turned the ice to slush, slowing down the speedy Hawks and allowing the Leafs to grind out a 3-1 win. Dave Keon scored the game winner, assisted by George Chief Armstrong. In 2016, 
the Toronto Maple Leafs named Dave Keon the greatest Leaf ever. The St. Mike's product was 26 in 1967, with a Calder, two Lady Bings, and three Stanley Cup championships already to his credit. A great two-way player who's still the franchise leader in shorthanded goals, his eventual estrangement from the team would become indicative of how badly the Leafs fumbled their future. Keon would enter the Hall of Fame in 1986. George Armstrong was captain of the Leafs for 13 years from 1958 to 1971. The Toronto Marlies product was 36 in 1967, still holds the team records both for games played and for points by a right winger. With an Irish father and an Anishinaabe mother, he was the first player of Indigenous descent to score an NHL goal. The humble, classy leader would be elected to the Hall of Fame in 1975. So uh, another couple of giants there, Chris. And, I mean, and I'm going to ask so you. Many. Go, There's so yeah, many. There's so many. Yeah, and there there is indeed. And and, and I'm going to ask your opinion now. Yeah. Who's the greatest Leaf ever, or or the or the the best one that you'd see? Well, if I if I look back in history, I mean, I I have to agree with you know most people when they say Boria Salming, um, yeah, Daryl Sittler, um, yeah. I I personally grew up in the era of Matt Sundin, Wendell sure. Clark, Dougie Gilmore. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I think in in my generation since I've been watching hockey, I think it has to be Matt Sundin. Um, I just, I, and what I've heard about him from other players, um, just right. a con- consummate professional, uh, quiet, humble man who worked his tail off, um, just seemed like a really, really quality guy and a really quality leader. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I obviously there's so much, there's so much history to the Leafs before my time. So if right. I could, if yeah, I yeah. could, if I threw that right back at you, what would, who would come to mind for you right away? I think, I think. Again, here's here's the here's the stat you got to know. Yeah. Only one Toronto Maple Leaf has ever won the Conn Smythe Trophy for playoff MVP, and that was Dave Keon. Right. So until another Leaf um, wins the Conn Smythe, unless it's you know it's a one-off like uh, you know one-hit wonder Tim Thomas or or Cam Ward, right. someone who you know comes out of nowhere. I, I mean, it's it's it has to be Keon. I mean, the the name of the game is winning the whole thing. I, I like, I like that. I like that. I mean, what if yeah. I like that you said that instead of saying like someone who wins a heart or wins a scoring race or something, because right. that may happen. Austin Matthews well, scores and, a few goals. Yeah. Well, and, and again, uh, Austin Matthews now he's, he's still got a way to go to catch with five. Yeah. He's, he's still, yeah. That young whippersnapper, he needs another yeah. two seasons over 50 <laughs> to take the team record from Ricky Vive. Yeah. Who again, yeah. Shout out from, uh, from PEI. To uh, and, I think the the, the Leaf I enjoyed the most. Quick uh, quick interjection here before we move on. Um, <laughs> Mr. Paul McLean, our head honcho at Sunset Studio, has chosen the Leafs to win the Cup this year because uh-huh. because Austin, uh-huh. Matt, Austin Matthews threw out the first pitch at a Blue Jays game and completely completely jinxed the rest of their season. So he thinks it's going <laughs> to turn things around for the Leafs. You heard it here first, folks. We'll be uh, we'll be talking about curses and mojo a little later on. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's he could get, have a point. He yeah. might. He might. And Paul's he seldom might. wrong. He's seldom wrong. Yeah, I've only been wrong once in my life, and that's when I thought I was wrong. Um, <laughs> the so series, the, yeah, the series. Game three. Yeah, it game goes, three. Yeah, game three. It, it, so it shifts back to Toronto for game three. Yeah. Now, George Armstrong was out after a hard hit from Bobby Hull in game two. But mm-hmm. Terry Sawchuk was impressive in a 3-1 win, losing a shutout bid with four minutes to go. 
The first Leafs goal, Ron Ellis from Red Kelly and Larry Jeffrey, that was a snapshot of this team. Young, homegrown talent on the rise, aging veteran looking for another shot at glory, and a capable role player brought in by a trade. Ron Ellis was 22. The former Toronto Maui played for the Leafs from 1964 to 1981 and played for Team Canada in 72. He's still top five for the team in games played and goals scored. Leonard Red Kelly was 39. He went to St. Mike's College, uh, but the Leafs passed on him, and he began his career as a defenseman in Detroit in 1947. Uh, He would win four cups and the first Norris Trophy in his 11 years there before a trade to Toronto and a switch to forward brought him another four cups in eight years. Uh, He would win the Lady Bing Trophy four times along the way as well. Uh, He'd retire after the 1967 Cup win to coach the expansion LA Kings. Uh, He'd later coached the Leafs from 73 to 77, and he was nominated to the Hall of Fame in 1969. One of those players whose resume was such that uh, they waived the three three, uh, year waiting period. Uh, Larry Jeffrey, his assist would be his only point of the playoffs. He hurt his knee in game six against Chicago. Uh, the 26-year-old had come over from Detroit in 65 and would see his career end in 69 from knee problems. I think he had a, a total of nine surgeries. So uh, some some things don't change, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's pretty much the same makeup of the champion today, though, Chris. It seems Young to be guys, a story. Guys, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it seems to be pretty common, Terry. But I mean, there's been there's been some anomalies, of course, but it always comes down to the team that has a great mix of veterans and youth and hard work and you know, guys who are just gonna go to go to war, guys they'll skate yeah. through the wall, um, yeah. guys are gonna play through injuries. Um right. it's, it, there's there's this there's this factor. I mean, it happens every year. There's this factor that you can't really you can't really see it. You can't really judge it. But at the right. end, when you hear a story about a guy who played with, you know, uh, a banged up hip and, and a torn yeah. left knee and a broken thumb, you're like, right. OK, well, it makes sense now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think maybe there's there's maybe more emphasis now on the deadline deal. Oh, yeah. Right. Big time. I yeah. Mean, t- teams, you know. teams are looking for it now. Right. Right. Uh, Waiting for it. This year in the NFL, they had yeah. the busiest trade line ever, yeah. and I think they had eight deals. I know it's crazy, right? I Which mean, is yeah. Where, where whereas in hockey, you know, teams tend to they tend to load up. Uh, yeah. a, a quick note about uh, about Red Kelly: those mm-hmm. eight cups are the most by a player who was never a Montreal Canadian. Oh, good stat, Terry, and thanks. Yeah, for, there thanks you go. For thinking of my oh, abs. Yeah, and and one other thing that that truly. Again, when I do this, you know, there's always uh, uh, something I come up with that, that uh, again, is more amazing than the rest of it. <laughs> I learned that along with playing for the uh, for the Leafs in the 60s, Red Kelly was the liberal MP for York West from 1962 to 1965. Wow. So while he was playing for the Leafs, he was a member of Parliament. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Uh, he, he beat Alan Eagleson for the seat in 1963. Uh, yeah. yeah that so, is hilarious yeah. i mean so hockey was was his day job or i mean i mean yeah. being a member of parliament was his, was day, his job. day job that's hilarious yeah. yeah you just you know again you're not you're not going to see that today no no guys guys can't even get out of their own way outside of the rink no they're not they're not working <laughs> they're not working a second job i can guarantee you that <laughs> let alone uh, let alone in the house of parliament that's yeah it. imagine yeah. can't even imagine all right so that's, that's the end so, game three what happens in game that's four? it 
The Hawks rebound with a 4-3 win in game. Yeah, yeah, with a 4-3 win, game four. Uh, Kenny Warham scored for Chicago just nine seconds in, and they never trailed. Uh, Tim Horton had his nose broken by an Aaron Des- Dennis Hall stick, but uh, he never missed a shift. Of course he did. Still, the Leafs, yeah, this of course not. Still, yeah. the Leafs felt good with the series tied 2-2 after four games, and the youngsters continued to contribute. Brian Conacher had an assist on the first Leafs goal, and Mike Walton scored the second. Brian Conacher was 25. Uh, he played for the Canadian Olympic team in 1964. He would finish third in Calder voting that year, behind Ed Van Imp and the aforementioned Bobby Orr. Mm-hmm. The former Toronto Marlies star was the son of Lionel Big Train Conacher, who was in the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1994, and was also voted Canadian athlete of the first half century, and nephew to Roy and Charlie Conacher, both Stanley Cup champions and Hockey Hall of Famers. Mike Walton was only 22. He had played with the Neil McNeil Maroons of Toronto, the Marlboros, and St. Michael's College. His trade to Boston would be another example of fading Leafs fortunes. He would pick up two more cups with the Bruins and would win the Bill Hunter Trophy as top scorer with the Minnesota Fighting Saints of the WHA in 1974. Now, Chris, the Conickers, as we saw, were generational. Now, Mm -hmm. you're old enough to have an answer now for this. Who's the best father-son combination that you've seen play in the NHL? Oh my gosh, the best father-son combo. So there's been some good ones in this generation. Right. Uh, the of first course. two that come to the first that comes to mind is the Kachucks. And now uh-huh. they've now they've got father sons. Yeah. Yeah, there's multiple. I mean, that's quite a story. Um Yeah. The Sutters and and of course the Domies. You got Ty and Max. Um, yeah. They're yeah, the first nice. two that come to mind when I think of the best that I've seen. Um Yeah. I know there've been quite a few. Sure. Are, are you? Where would you? Go uh, I'm, I'm I'm old enough to remember Bobby Hall. Okay, Bobby and Brett, obviously. Bobby yeah, and Brett, right. Bobby yeah, and Brett, right. So, um, yes. I did I did a quick search on father son duos, and one of the first ones that comes up is the Apps. So, yeah, Sil, oh, yeah, Sil, Sil App and and Sil Junior. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. that that's a little bit even before your time, Tara. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. We have to we have to your dad. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah we'll have to ask my dad we'll bring him in special guest uh yeah yeah so uh game five in chicago was the sachuk the game we talked that's about right. when when we talked about the movie goalie terry tell us uh, yeah tell that's us about game that's five. right that's right yeah game yeah. five in chicago uh punch in lap went with bauer after sachuk was shaky in game four bauer proceeded to let in two goals on 12 shots Sawchuck started the second, and after surviving being knocked off his feet by a Bobby Hull slap shot, made 37 saves for a 4-2 win. The two old goalies, Bauer was 42, Sawchuck was 37, they carried the Leafs through the playoffs. But it took five goalies, uh, Gary Smith, Al Smith, and Bruce Gamble, they all made appearances to get the Leafs through the regular season. Now, we talked about Terry Sawchuck uh, Mm -hmm. last time, of course. Um, but, uh, just another quick note again, Johnny Bauer, um, universally beloved, perhaps the, the most, uh, you know, the, the most favored of, of the old time elites, right. On this team, uh, the China wall, uh, won four cups, two Vesnas in his 12 years in Toronto and, uh, had his number one, uh, retired by the teams. Uh, the teams went back to Maple Leaf Gardens on, and on April 18th, Toronto eliminated Chicago 
by a score of three to one behind two more goals from Brian Conacher and an assist from Alan Stanley, one of his two playoff points. Alan Stanley was 40 that year, wrapping up a Hall of Fame career that began with the Rangers in 1948. He was called Snowshoes for his ponderous skating style and was a defensive defenseman who played opposite Tim Horton. From Timmins, he was a childhood friend of Bill Barilko and was supposed to be on that fishing trip. He was one of the pallbearers after Barilko's body was discovered. And in an unrelated tragedy hip note, uh, Stanley made his off-season home in Bob Cajun and ran a hockey school there for many years after his retirement. I love that. So, yeah, so the Leafs were able to shut down or at least contain Bobby Hall and Stan Nikita. Mm-hmm. And though the Blackhawks would continue to be a force to be reckoned with through the early 70s, they would never break through to win the championship. The Stanley Cup Finals would open two nights later on April 20th, 1967 in Montreal. Uh, so the Leafs, uh, Chris, they're halfway home. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's a sprint. Uh, compared to today's today's marathon right yeah absolutely and before we talk about uh, just some great facts about the tragically hip there um anyone, <laughs> a- everyone including you like knows how much i love gord and the hip and it's just so cool yeah. to hear these tiny little connections uh, yeah he, even better than the fact the man was known as snowshoes that, i mean that's just that that's icing <laughs> on the cake right there that's just the icing bud yeah, uh, yeah but yeah back to your question totally um more of a sprint back then obviously less games uh shorter grime but doesn't seem like it was much easier i mean the game because uh, the game was so tough and so different like right yeah and you, and, and you know they're riding 10 12 players it's at certain points right two, two goalies who can barely stay make it through a game without getting hurt yeah. people running yeah. them over high aaron aaron high sticks yeah I mean, of course of course but uh yeah today's game is so much different i mean the grind is obviously longer um, yeah. You got to win 16 games for the cup and, and the season's right. a bit longer, but to be honest, the players are so well taken care of. There's so much treatment. They're so, they're, they're so healthy. They're so fit. Um, they're, they're not, again, they're not members of parliament during the day. No, they're not members of parliament. So I mean, most, most of them, I, I assume aren't smoking. No, they're not smoking uh, on know. the bench. I, you yeah. know, I don't. Yeah. So, so just uh, really different uh, to be honest. Just different. It, it might be closer than you might think, because an initial initially you might think, oh, they play so many less games, right? But when you dig a little deeper games. there, yeah, 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 it might be yeah, a little more equal than we thought. So, sure. um, Terry, point. it was. It, it's pretty fitting that the finals of the original six era was between Montreal and Toronto, wasn't it? Yeah, and and in more ways than one, Chris. Uh, yeah. 1967 was Canada's centennial. And Expo 67, the World's Fair, was being held in Montreal. The Canadiens had a space reserved in the Quebec Pavilion to display the Stanley Cup. The last time the NHL expanded or contracted was 1942, when the Brooklyn Americans folded. 1967-68 would bring six new teams, 125 more jobs, two divisions, and 12 games needed to win the Cup. Teams would be able to protect 10 skaters and one goalie. The direct sponsorship of junior teams by the NHL was to be phased out in the upcoming year, and no new sponsored players could be registered or required to sign a contract restricting movement between teams, paving the way for the full amateur draft. Now, this would negate the great territorial advantage held by the Leafs and the Habs. Mm -hmm. Also, the players' union 
an idea that players like Ted Lindsay and Doug Harvey fought for in the 1950s, would be certified in June 1967. Ironically, the first two presidents of the NHLPA were from the stridently anti-union weeks. So before the expansion era begins, we have one more final between the two most successful franchises in NHL history. And the two teams were not dissimilar. That year, Montreal was looking for a three-peat and were led by veterans Jean Beliveau and Henri Richard. But youngsters like Jacques Laperriere and Yvon Cormier were starting to assert themselves. Like Toronto, they had two future Hall of Famers in net with veteran Gump Worsley and rookie Rogi Vachon. Mm -hmm. Seven players were over 30, and Coach Toe Blake and company were happy to draw Toronto, who they swept the year before in the semis, and home uh, home ice advantage, and not the first-place Chicago team. So at this moment, Montreal has 14 cups, Toronto has 12. So history diverges here, Chris. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, just the whole way it happened, these two teams yeah. getting up in the finals, incredible. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, it, and it was close at that time. But, you know, yeah. again, as as we know, Montreal goes on. Yeah, it's the closest weather. it gets. It's the closest it gets. Uh, yes. The last and, time and it was this close. Right. And, and you know, Montreal was able to, you know, uh, get over the the loss of the territorial advantage. Yeah. Uh, again, a lot, I guess, goes down to Sam Pollock, the, the GM in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they'd win eight cups between 68 and 79. Right. And uh, and then two more after that. Right. right. So, uh, yeah, they they were able to continue to have success. And uh, and we'll talk a little later. Uh, about why the maybe the Leafs went off the rails uh, for, for yes. the, for I mean, the that's immediate be, future. That's going to yeah, be interesting the, to hear because, I mean, they were yeah, right. They were yeah. neck and neck to this point. They were neck and neck. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But, uh, you know, uh, again, today it's, uh, you know, it's uh, not what, uh, you know, it's not what uh, Montreal did right. You know, we'll see what Toronto did wrong, you know, initially. And, yeah. and what's going on now, like I say, I don't know if anyone can explain the last uh, the last few years, but uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, before that though, before the before the Leafs, uh, you know, get down. It's it's time for talk about the glory. Yeah, let's get to, let's get right into the finals here. So we got Habs Leafs, nineteen sixty seven. Terry, take us through it. That's it. Game game one was April twentieth, nineteen sixty seven, okay. at the Forum in Montreal, and the rested Habs cruise six two with Johnny Bauer replacing Terry Sawchuk for the last period. Punchy Imlach was calling Rogi Vachon a junior B goalie before the game. Captain George Armstrong returned for Toronto, and defenseman Larry Hillman would score his only goal of the playoffs. Larry Hillman is the youngest player to have his name on the Stanley Cup. He was 18 years, two months, when the Red Wings won in 1955. And Chris, that's a record that will never be broken. Because today, a player must be 18 on September 15th right. to play in the NHL. So that's that's never being broken. Yeah. Uh, Hillman would win another cup in 68 with Montreal after being run out of town by Punch Imlach's parsimony. And uh, we'll talk more about that later. While Hillman would play all 12 games of the playoffs, game one would be the only game Ott Erickson played for the Leafs all year. The 29-year-old defenseman, was called up from the Victoria Maple Leafs, and would get his name on the score sheet when he served a bench penalty for too many men. He would go on to play for the Oakland Seals. Milan Marcetta was the other call-up from Victoria that would see action for the Leafs in the playoffs. The 30-year-old center was the leading scorer in Victoria and would appear in three playoff games. He would later become an original Minnesota North Star. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, a couple of much bigger names, though, were in Punch and Wax doghouse and were therefore marginalized during this cup run. Bobby Bond was 30. The Toronto Marlies product was a hard-hitting defenseman who debuted with the Leafs in 1956 and entered Leafs lore with his heroics in, 19, in the 1964 Cup Final versus Detroit. In Game 6 that year, Bond blocked a Gordie Howe slap shot in the third. He was stretchered off, had his leg frozen, and returned to beat Terry Sawchuk in overtime to tie the series at three. Bond would play Game 7 on the broken leg as the Leafs won another cup. I remember hearing that story as a kid. Just yeah, incredible. Yeah, 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 indeed. Eh? So oh three years God. later, yeah, unfortunately, three years later, his relationship with Imlac had deteriorated to the point where he would skip the Leafs' victory party and parade. Uh, again, the dispute was over money. Uh, Bond was a staunch union guy. He was the second president of the NHLPA. Another former stalwart who found himself playing fourth-line minutes was Eddie the Entertainer, Shaq. Mm -hmm. The Sudbury native, a prototypical pest and fan favorite, was also 30 that year. And it played on the other three cup, winning, uh, cup teams, uh, Leaf Cup teams of the 1960s. Uh, he scored the cup-winning goal in 1963. He'd be traded uh, that offseason, but would return to the team in the mid-1970s and uh, would remain an extremely popular figure in Toronto. Uh, until his death in, in 2020. And that brings us to the end of part one of Hockey Talks Volume 57 with Terry Whalen. Stay tuned for part two coming to you in the next week or two. Peace out! Thank you, thank you, thank you to our amazing sponsors, the China Hockey Group, Wheel Hub Asia, AccessoryHouseGlobal.com, Yardley Brothers Beer, and of course, Sunset Studio. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Across the Pond HK. Email us, send in your comments and questions to the show at any time at Across the Pond HK at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. Just one more thing. We're in December. Bruins killing it. First in the league. Woo! Down with the Habs.